So I'm Jason, uh, pastor of South East London, South East London Vineyard. I used to be at the South East London Vineyard, <laughs> Sutton Vineyard, South London, been doing it for nearly 23 years. Um, and the genesis for this seminar is grandly entitled that Steve Ellis and I are leading it. Um, really, Steve has done all of the work for today. Um, I'm just topping and tailing it. But um, we had a seminar last year about small groups. Uh, and was really good, and lots of people asking the question, we, we know small groups are important, but how do we grow them? How do we, there's this perennial problem of, um, we found we were talking about last year, people not wanting to lead small groups, like leading a small group was like planting a church. You know, People say, oh, maybe next year, maybe next year. Um, people that perennially never get into small groups, people that pretend they're in a small group because they drove past it once, and things like that. And we had a great seminar last year. So what we've done this year, um, as I, we followed up, and Steve in particular, um, who's in our church, we call Steve our small group coach. Steve does coaching and helps us with our small groups massively. So what Steve did, huge piece of work you're going to see today, Steve went around um, everyone who was here at the seminar last year, different vineyard churches, and said, what are you doing and what's working? Um, do I need to press a button, Steve? For How can we... As a church, here's the big question for today. Capture a passion for our small group community which will lead to its members having a deeper relationship with God and others. That's what we're trying to answer today. And here are the different churches that responded to this survey. This is why I'm excited about this survey. I don't get excited about surveys doing them. I'm excited about the response because what this means is these churches all responded this is what's really happening in real churches, as opposed to a bunch of senior pastors standing up, talking off the top of their head about three things that make small groups work. Do you know the difference? One may help you, the other one may not. Um, but this is road-tested, field-tested from these churches. It's been fascinating. Different churches with different demographics, catchments, age groups, trying different things. Um, and all trying to answer this question, how do we, if small groups are so important, grow them? Um, so we've got all these people responded, and we have a... How long is the report, Steve? 5,000 words with all the collation of the detailed responses. We've got... Do we have hard copies here? A few hard copies. Steve's very, amiss, very upset about the typos he found. There's a couple of commas in the wrong place. Um, <laughs> how did we collect the data? But don't worry if you haven't got them. So you can download this whole... We're not going to bore you with a PDF to read through. You, that's the research that backs up today. So uh, the data was collected through interviews and questionnaires centred on how churches... And here was what churches were asked and what the report we're giving back to you today. How would they increase the numbers of church members who engaged in small groups? Um, how, how would they release church members into small group leadership? Got more small group leaders. Um, how uh, were empowering small groups to multiply? You know that one, how do we get small groups to multiply? And supported leaders and their members to deepen their relationship with God and others. I've um, got this big report telling you how churches have been doing that. Um, so now I'm going to hand over to Steve, who's gone through all of that data and information and distilled it down to 10 things that emerged. Would you give Steve a warm welcome? Well, I, I couldn't have done this without all the, the lovely pastors that I've uh, interviewed um, on the phone, um, uh, all the uh, people that responded from last year's NLC um, uh, survey. 
uh, it wouldn't have been possible. But, you know, actually, if I'm honest, um, uh, when Jason sort of said, can you just do this little job? Uh, I, I thought, well, are we going to learn anything new? Well, actually, we've learned a few th things new. Um, and there's a lot of good st uh, uh, old stuff to be uh, revisited. Um, I uh, just feel from talking to the, it's such a privilege to the pastors around, and there's some are here. So, you know, I know I can see Sally. Anyone else that I interview, Rob and Georgia? Uh, perhaps I just, you know, we all felt that actually uh, God. Uh, was stirring in this, and we're expecting, we're expectant that in 2020, God will do a marvelous thing um, in our small groups. So um, I'm going to go over just the the headlines of um, what I found because you can read it more interesting. And uh, I'm just going to introduce. This is Georgia Coy from uh, Balham. Uh, it's actually V61. Quite a trendy thing, so let's give her a round of applause. She's done one of the case studies. <laughs> and Rob Windmill from Riverside, uh, who's uh, got an amazing story about hosts, and actually we have stolen a lot of his work uh, already. So uh, give her, let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to do this very, very quickly so that we can make... Uh, time to hear the case studies and then try and to answer some of the questions. If you could swip, um, flip that round, uh, the, the, the board round, I can see some of the questions and I'll try and address some of them as we go along. So, uh, so the first thing is uh, the regular promotion of uh, a church's small group um, vision and values. Now, when I was uh, talking to the pastors about that, they said that this is uh, really, really important, that they understand, your leaders, what the uh, church's mission and values is, and particularly in relationship with uh, small groups. Um, but be warned, okay? Uh, this is only one, uh, re the regular promotional is just one thing, okay? Uh, a pastor doing this on his own, standing up week by week, isn't going to work, okay? Uh, because there are many different other factors. So what the pastors told me and what the interviews said, that this is really, really important, but it needs to be continually done, but supported by uh, other strategies. Now, I must say, these uh, top tips, the 10 top tips that I'm going to give you, are in no particular order, okay? So don't think the number one is the most important and 10 isn't. They're all equally uh important. So the regular promotion of a, uh, of a church's small group uh, vision and values is important. Um, the, the second uh, bit is multiplication. I had no idea that this conference was going to be on multiplication, um, particularly when I sent through the, um, uh, the, 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 the workshop uh, description. I had no idea, but the Lord does, doesn't he? And that, that was uh, really encouraging. Now, multiplication has to be an intentional aspect of any small group community. Now, I'm not just talking about this, you know, the whole community. I'm talking about it has to be weaven in to the uh, DNA of um, 
the small group leaders. And uh, multiplication isn't uh, always easily uh, to recognize. So the first thing uh, what pastors were saying is that a good small group is about around about six to eight people. That, hence, that's what they're called small groups. Um, and when they get to about 12, they should be ready to multiply. So eight is the core, where you've got to get eight regular, but when you uh, get to 12, you should be ready to multiply. But you see, we love our small group. And we love having massive groups, don't we? But you know, people don't interact with that. Uh, you know, you just think, if you're a quiet person and there's 30 people, and I do know, because I've been there myself, you know, running big groups and thinking, this is marvellous. Well, it, it actually doesn't help. Multiplication has to be in the DNA of the leaders. And training uh, leaders to recognise um, the crest. This came from a pastor in Leeds, Jeff Stamps. Anyone know him? Uh, yeah, Jeff uh, said it's really important that they recognize the wave, the crest of that wave of multiplication. And uh, I agree with him uh, entirely, but so the other pa um, pastors. And they said, actually, you know, we can do this by sowing into our, our policy, our vision. We can do it by training our, our leaders. So however you train your leaders, uh, small group leaders, you, you talk to them about multiplication. <laughs> Don't expect that it's, it's not an easy. Multiplication, uh, we've done it, I think we've done it about eight times at Sutton, okay? Um, it's always painful, right? It's painful for the leader, but it's so brilliant for uh, the, those that are going off. Uh, who are often more talented and capable, and they are setting up groups and they multiply. So, you know, uh, I think in Sutton Vineyard we have the phrase, you've got to give away the best. Um, now, the, uh, it's helping, uh, the third top tip, if I can give, is it's helping to understand the terminolo terminology around small groups. I was really pleased to hear that small groups have been... Um, uh, mentioned quite a bit, uh, but you see, we have different uh, things. We've got uh, life groups, cell groups, growth groups, clans. Anyone here from Carlisle? There, they're, they're the ones that are going crossing the border with clans, uh, house groups, home groups, you know. And, and then there's all these other types of groups, you know, activity groups, outreach groups, hosted groups, courses, caps, and, and it's, it's actually, if you're new to a church and you come in and you see all that, you it's vital that you understand what group does what. And that's not always been clear according to uh, the comments that I've had. So for the case of this uh, study, we've got core groups and non-core groups. Now, uh, core groups are those that um, are concentrating, particularly developing prayer, reach, care, empower. They are the principles of a great piece of uh, research by, done by Jim Eglin. If you haven't got this, this is what the, the, that we have based our small group development on. He says there's four health factors, and they're prayer, reach, care, and empower. And 
he's, he's concluded that out of all of them, there's a lot more than this, but the most important one is prayer. So if you're a small group leader, you get down and you pray and you'll see your group grow, uh, multiply. But of course, these groups do take it, their Bible study um, and worship. But they are to be supported. They would, you know, they work even better with uh, non-core groups. And it's really important that we recognize the importance of all these groups. They're, the, they, they're like the front door. They get people in to um, uh, our core groups. So um, be specific in actually the terminology that you use. Uh, uh, the non-core non groups actually serve vitally the core groups. Okay, so these guys are inviting people, hopefully, into core groups. Um, then the fourth one is um, the rotation of roles. Now, I'm not going to say too much about uh, that. Georgia is going to say a, a, a great deal. But, you know, this is nothing new, but it works. You know, do you remember the four W's? You know, uh, welcome word, worship, wind, uh, wind. you know. Uh, that's a model of our, our group that we, we do, but that's all over the place, you know. So uh, the idea is that you rotate, um, the small group leader rotates uh, the different roles because that avoids burnout. Actually, the best thing is, is when a small group leader is sitting on the, the chair, someone's making a cup of tea, uh, someone's doing the studies, someone's doing the, uh, the, the, the worship, uh, and the small group leader can just be there and talk to the people because actually you're running around. It's, it's impossible. But that's a common thing uh, happening. Um, and also the uh, rotation of overseers or huddle uh, uh, leaders. These are many churches have looked at their structure and basically uh, what they do is they get their groups in, uh, into, say, three Okay, it doesn't have to be free. Um, they get them into free, and then they have a huddle leader within that free to just keep a check on them. It's a light touch. They can uh, um, uh, encourage. They can do some of the, the basic pastoring. And each year that would change. Some churches actually change that even more, which you're going to hear about later on. Um, so... Really important, and we call that distributed leader, but the, the, the small group leader doesn't have to do everything in the group. If he can get everyone doing it, fantastic. So that was a common thing that we found. Um, having a coherent and flexible approach to resourcing is really uh, important. Um, so... Uh, there are, I mean, we live in an age where resourcing can, you know, it's never been so easy. I mean, 40 years ago when I started, believe it or not, I did start 40 years ago, uh, I thought it was so cool when I had a, a whiteboard and a marker, and that was it. Uh, and I might have had a concordance and a Bible. That, but now you just Google anything, you know, images that you need, anything you've got. Just, we're in a... a having uh, loads of them. So what works particularly well is when you're equipping your small group uh, community, it's having a flexible approach to it. Uh, one saying, you know, a, a lot of the, the churches actually gave um, 
questions following the, the Sunday sermon, which has been proved brilliant. But if you keep doing that, guess what? They'll, they'll come dependent on the preachers to do that all the time. And it becomes the same old. Um, there are so many... Um, uh, resources that they could use. Some people use homegrown video courses. Uh, we, I, I don't have to tell you. You can just go downstairs and see what's available. But flexibility and and to allow you know uh, the small group leader to find their own learning style and the and resources that they want to do is is important. But small groups can also be fantastically important in getting a, a whole church initi initiative moving. Um, and so many of them will put on, a, you know, maybe for a six weeks, uh, a course about something that's at the heart of the church they want to develop. Um, so, well, this is really interesting, this one. And we've got the man himself. I'm going to make it to Tom Camacci, who uh, I'll put, promote his book already, yeah, Honest uh, Mining for Gold, right? Now, Tom, I'm going to do something on coaching later on in here, so I'm going to ask you more. But this uh, is a blessing to your small group community. Now, one of the things that they didn't say that I'm sharing with you is that we interviewed just a snapshot uh, with 11 ch uh, churches. One of the things they didn't do is mention coaching. Why am I putting it up as a top kit? Because sometimes when you research, it's, what, it's not what's there that's important. Our church, we actually were exploring co coaching, and we'll tell you more about that. But the thing is, uh, in this piece of work by Jim Egley, he says small groups that are coached do significantly better than small group leaders that aren't coached. This is uh, really good stuff. To read, so we we have taken that um, in our church, and I will be talking about it. Thing, um, also lowering the bar <coughs> through um, hosted groups. Now Rob's going to tell you ab about this. Uh, these came um, from Saddleback Church, and basically they're short-term gr um, groups. Okay, that can be uh, started for about six, seven weeks. And what is really good is uh, uh, the church will just say, can you host some of these groups? And um, uh, well, here's the material. And in six weeks' time, um, if you don't want to do it, you can go back and join your uh, small group. Okay? That's very powerful. And they never talk about leading. They don't talk about it. They talk about hosting. So Rob's going to fill us in more about that uh, later. Um, now, this is, this is great. Uh, developing an, in, an invitational culture, you know, is key. There's a, a, a great book by Michael Harvey, Unlocking Growth. And he talks about us as a church actually don't take the risk of inviting someone to come. You know, some of us are better than others, but, you know, being in the, in, the, in the normal world, it's difficult. And some uh, pastor was saying that actually the problem they got with uh, uh, their groups is that they've become too comfortable. And they've become too comfortable and successful and they don't invite. 
Some, as Michael uh, Harvey has suggested, and some of the pastors also, suggested that it's actually a, a fear about inviting someone along to your small group. Actually, groups that invite grow. Groups that invite multiply. Um, the regular uh, rotation of uh, venues was thought to be really important. Now, again, I'm not going to say too much about this because we've got Georgia, who, when I tell people about Georgia's case study, they go, wow. So you will be impressed. Um, and then the last bit, not 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 any pressure, but it's fantastic. Um, the last bit is to envision and um, to celebrate the small group community and the leaders and things like that. It's really important. You know, these guys open their homes every week. You know, there's a massive clean. If, you, if you're in our house, there's a massive clean up air, uh, activity. That's the, that's the positive. We've always got a clean house on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> <coughs> uh, uh, but it's it's you know really important that actually they are affirmed affirmed by the overseers and uh, affirmed <coughs> by the church as a whole so you know i could go on uh, about this but i'm going to hand over to uh, rob who's going to talk uh rob's from River, uh, riverside okay um that's, is that southwest london it is, sort of, yeah, okay. And he's been giving him a clap because he's been doing amazing work on um, hosting. Hi, everyone. Great to be with you uh, this afternoon. Um, Steve's given away my intro, so uh, so that's all good. Nice. Um, um, so so we, we're in a region where we've got about a million people, which is quite a vast area in such a small space. We have about 45 different nations represented at the church. And so there's lots of different, um, you know, demographic you know there's a lot of different demographics there's a lot of different things kind of going on and so we found a lot of some of the classic ways of running small groups to be a bit of a, a challenge at times and one of the things particularly around kind of raising up leaders has been a challenge so um but we've always found that people who are part of a small group do so much better in life and so if you hear about someone in your church going through a bit of a tough time the first question we always ask is are they part of a small group and if they are we know that there's a circle of people rallying around them but if there isn't that's when we have to start kind of you know bringing other stuff uh, things into play just to try and support and help those people now right now at Riverside we've got about sort of 50% or so in small groups which I think is quite common around the country with other people and pastors that I talk to um, but we're always trying to find new ways for people to be a part of a small group. Um, and so we, we kind of have the natural kind of growth. You know, we, we see groups multiply, which is fantastic. Um, but beyond that, we just want to see... Um, we want to see more than 50% in small groups. We want to see, you know, the whole, if possible, the whole church being part of groups. Um, and so, um, and so, like I said, the, one of the issues that we've got is actually raising up leaders, people who are willing to take that step to lead. Um, and so that's been quite a challenge for us. And so we recognised back in about 2017, we needed to try something new. Um, and so we decided, having not done this for a while, uh, was to run a whole church small group campaign. And so we picked up um, Pete Gregg and 24/7's prayer course and decided we were going to do something based on that 
invite everyone to be part of a small group um, and to run that and teach that through on Sundays as well. Um, and it was during that process that we discovered the host model. Um, and so we'd, um, we picked it up from Columbus Vineyard um, and had a really helpful conversation with them. So they're based over in Ohio, much bigger church than we are. Um, but with their blessing, we took their best ideas um, because they'd already taken the best ideas from other places already. So we felt that was fair enough. Um, so host basically stands for four things. You'll notice there are um, there are four stops after each of those letters. Um, um, the first thing is H is for have a heart for people. And I think I've trod on the cable. Um, and it's back, it's back. If I don't stand there, we'll be fine. So um, first thing is have a heart for people. And basically, we just say to people, if you like people, if you generally don't, you know, despair when you've got people around you, you, you are okay to, you, you, you have a heart for people, you like people being around them. The second thing is to open up your space or a home, you know, so we create many spaces in our own church building, um, but for some people it could be in a coffee shop or it could be in their front room, um, at a time and a space that works for them, because we recognise we've, we've got a whole bunch of people that are work shift patterns and things like that, so being very close to Heathrow, all sorts of people working at different times. We need things at different days at different times. The third thing is serving a snack, and I always say this is the most important one. Um, and, and, and you know, we're not talking rich tea biscuits. I mean, some high-quality snacks here. Um, so that's a really important part of that. I think we want to be hospitable. We want to welcome and love people as we do that. And the fourth thing is to turn on a TV. Okay, so hopefully most, and apparently I'm told that some people find that fourth one, the last one, the most challenging thing. I, I'm not sure about that. Maybe it's just some of the technology, but um, yeah. So that's the fourth one, turn on the TV. Now, what we recognize is that actually this, um, this lowers um, the bar of what we're asking for with leaders. I think if I click onto the next one. So, and then we, we ask then everyone to be part of a small group. So this is the series we, we are launching right now. Um, and we're, we're using Mike Pilavachi's book, Everyday Supernatural, as a, as a kind of guide to kind of go through what we're, we're using, and then we're producing talks and, and materials around that. So, so what happens is um, throughout the rest of the year, our emphasis is, is really on small group health. But for, these, uh, for this period right now, it's all about small group growth. So we're talking about this every single week. So for, for three weeks, we're asking people to stand up and host a group. So we've got um, at least minimum of 12 new small groups that are going to be running for the six weeks in the build up to, to Easter, just, just like that, just by putting the ask out there. Um, and then the follow-up is asking people to join a group and to be part of that. So the host ask is very small because what we're doing is providing them with everything they need. So if I click on to the next slide here, you'll see that. Um, so, so this is our this is our home landing page at the moment. You know, you've got the opportunity to host a group or to join a group, um, and then. And this is from last year, we ran something called Simply Jesus. We provided people with everything that they would need to run a group. So, um, so for those that didn't have live worship, you know, there's YouTube, there's Spotify playlists. I produced like a little host guide for them just to kind of help them through with that. And then we produce notes and videos to go alongside the Sunday talk um, each week. And so, so we produced a bunch of videos there, you know, just get a little clip of, of that. But I, yeah, you're going to kind of see the picture, but we would just kind of talk through some of these things and give them some easy um, ways to engage with these materials. So I guess what you're asking is, does, does it work? You know, does this model work? It's a little bit different from perhaps some of the things that we've done in the past. Um, well, 
we're right in the middle of our fourth campaign in, in, a, in a row now. So we've, we're doing it for our fourth year in, uh, running. So I guess in one sense, yeah, it, it does work because we're, we're coming back to it year on, year out. Um, like I said, we've got at least 12 new groups and, and I'm hoping for a few more before we kick things off um, that are going to start at the end of this month. Um, last year, 100 plus new people engaged with a small group having not been part of a small group before prior to that. So that, that was a massive win for us. And so some of those will carry on being part of a small group. Others may drift away, but the idea is actually we just want to bring them at least if we can get them a part of a small group for six weeks, they have more connection than they had prior to that. So that, that, that for us is a win. Um, but it has increased each year. We've seen the number of people being part of these groups raising up over the last few years. I think it was about 70 odd people the year before that. And so it's been, it's been great to see that. Uh, and it's all we talk about in the different environments. So we, we put this on for, uh, for youth, for our kids. Um, and so the kids have, you know, little collector cards to kind of make sure they're around each week. We put, you know, youth small groups, young adult small groups, a whole bunch of different things. Um, to kind of create space for everybody. Um, and, then, and then obviously we've lowered the bar quite low. So this is basically almost anyone with a pulse can host a group, okay? And so whether they'll be able to gather people around them or not, that's another thing. But if they can do that, then we're saying they can do that. But at the end of those six weeks, um, the invitation is there for those that want to continue. We will put on some training for them. Um, and I run sort of regular small group leaders training to try and engage with them and to try and help them do that. And then and at that point, the pun of the bar raises in terms of what's expected of them. And so in terms of, um, you know, we're very clear about the requirements of what we want to see them doing. We want to see them being part of Sunday teams, being giving and all of these kind of things. Um, and so, so that that changes at that moment. So, um, so last year, um, you know, a bunch of those, about half of those groups continued running, which was fantastic. Um, others decided, you know, not to carry on, but they're doing something again this year. A bunch of those people. Um, and so it's just, it's also really helped other, uh, other small groups to multiply. A whole bunch of people come towards one group and they then be able to multiply into two groups out of that. So, and two really healthy groups as well with the amount of people they've had. So that's, that's been our sort of journey. Um, I, I don't know, but it's probably time for some questions later on because I know I'm probably introducing a concept that might be a little bit different for some of the things that we've done in the past. So. Um, Steve, do you want me to hand back to you? Or? Uh, that's Georgia. Yeah, so great. Let's give Georgia a round Thanks. of applause. Hey, everyone. Um, so I work for a church, Vineyard 61, in London, and um, we've been going for about four years. Uh, we have two sites, uh, three services, so we have a morning and an evening in Balham and then we have a morning in Battersea. Um, we have 21 small groups to date, like as of um, January, and we have 75% um, of our congregation in small groups. So that's, as that's like members, so um, people who are giving, um, people who are serving and attending so that's how we how we um sort of categorize people who are in um and i sort of thought that was fairly normal but apparently that's quite the stats are quite high um so we have the majority of our of our demographic uh 
um, people in their 20s and 30s. So um, I would say we have probably, I think last time I did the stats, it was about 79% of our congregation are single. Um, so there's a real a real desire for connection. There's a real desire for community. Um, London is very transient, so um, there's a real, you know, hunger for people to to get plugged in and to know people and to build relationship, etc. Um, so what we do is every term we we rip down all the small groups and we remake them again. And um, there are lots of pros and cons to doing this, but one of the great things is um, is that we get to raise leaders, and that's one of our one of our hearts. It's like one of the things that we're really passionate about. Um, we might only get people for three years or five years who are going to be in London, but if we can if we can get them in, equip them, and when they go out to wherever they're going to go next in their lives, and they then they know how to pray for people, they know how to, to lead, they know how to speak, you know, whatever it is, whatever they want to lead in. Um, and we have, we have a very clear vision in our church that we communicate right from the, um, on Sundays and right from this first newcomer's lunch, is that we exist for people who are yet to come. Um, so something that we're always repeating to all of our leaders is that change is here to stay. Um, often, so um, Steve Bateman, who is our senior pastor, um, we've had to encourage him to stop asking Christians to not come to our church um, because his, his heart is that our church is full of people who are new to faith, finding Jesus. I remember I bumped into a friend of mine at a party and he was like, oh yeah, I came and visited your church and um, yeah, your pastor told me that I couldn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, because I wasn't going to join them on mission, I'm like, do you know what? Sounds like Steve. Um, so we're very much on mission and we invite people to come on mission with us. We have a lot of compassion projects, but also we have a heart to see people go on mission in their jobs, in their lives, whether they are a stay-at-home mum and NTC, NCT group, like, you know, you're on mission in that place. And so um, because we have a lot of growth, in, in, our, in our church, um, we have to have a lot of growth and multiplication in our groups. So that is why we're doing the, um, we're pulling everything down every term and rebuilding it, because basically we need to um, multiply nearly every single group. Um, so since I think in the last year, we had a um, 54% increase in our small groups. Um, and that's just because we have such a demand. I mean, there was a point where I had a list of 20 people who wanted to be on small groups and all of our small, all of our small groups were like 18 people and couldn't fit anyone else in. Um, so I think what really works with um, keeping the groups fresh is um, that friendship circles are always open. Um, people have the mindset of we need to include people who are on the outside. It's very much part of our culture. Um, even when you walk in on a Sunday, you don't feel that clique, you know, of like, oh, everyone else knows everyone and I'm just on the outside. Like, you can just see our people, they go, oh, new person, bring them in. Um, so we have an amazing culture with that. Um, people really do expect change. Um, so even um, when I go around and visit the groups, they'll say to me, "Oh, actually, you know, next term I'll be able to host in my in my in my house, or I'll be able to um, 
you know, I'll be able to lead or whatever it is. Like people are expecting that there's going to be change. Um, I think that probably about six months ago, I started to have a real check in my spirit about about our small groups and it felt like we were growing, but we were just going through the motions. I didn't really feel like people were... Um, like people were really connecting with God at these, you know, at small groups. And um, like people were having a great time and making friends and everything was growing. And But I just thought we need to do something different. And um, back then they were called connect groups and they were very much centered around community. Um, and I just felt like we just need to get, we just need to get rid of that. And we actually need to gather around the presence and so we changed, um, we changed the, the title of them to life groups and um, we changed the heart behind them. Um, you know, like in, in the past, we're like, we want you to have a meal, we want you to, to do teaching, we want you to do all these things. And now we're like, if you, don't, if you don't eat, that's totally fine. You know, if all you do is gather around the presence and pray, then, then that is enough. Like, that needs to be the number one thing. I think prayer gets really lost in a small group. It's like tacked onto the end. Oh, come on, quick, we've got five minutes, let's pray. You know, but actually, like, we need, we need to gather together. We need to pray. We need to be seeking God. Like, this is what a small group is about. And so, and so since then, guys, we've seen such a transformation and like, and people who, like there was one group and I'm telling you, this group was such a random mix of people. Like I, I went to the group just thinking like, I'm going to have to get out the pastoral guns here. Like it's going to be, this is going to be a disaster. These people, like as soon as we got in, it was straight into prayer. They knew about what was happening in each, in each other's lives. They were praying for each other. People, um, someone spoke in tongues for the first time. I was just like, what? Um, someone else had a, had a, um, had part of their foot grow because their, their feet when they were born were different sizes. And I was just like, come on, like this is what we need to be seeing. And I think that that has, has drawn people even more into, I can see why I need this in my life. And actually, you know, my Tuesday, my Wednesday night, I'm not having to go, but I get, I need to go. Like this is a life source to me. It's not just a Christian thing that I need to tick off the box or it's not just somewhere I go and meet my friends. It's somewhere that I meet God and it's, and it's good and I'm off my notes. Um, <laughs> So, okay, so a few practical things. So we um, run something called the Jesus Model. I don't know if we made up that name or if it's actually a thing. Um, but we do three weeks um, small groups and then a pause week where all of our leaders are in um, discipleship groups of groups of three with a discipler. And then the rest of the small groups breaks into prayer triplets. And we do that, you know, Jesus had his 12 and he had his three. So that's the idea behind that. It's um, to build like intimate relationship and also gives um, us an opportunity to, to train, to look after our leaders, um, to give them something extra that isn't because if you put something on top of having to be somewhere every week that it just becomes too much. Um, so it, it promotes that bit like um, what um, we've been learning about this weekend. It promotes that value of rest and that value of actually receiving as a leader, which I think is something that we can really get better at as a church. 
um, one of the big things we've, that we've struggled with is having enough people to lead um, because I'm, I'm constantly looking for leaders. As soon as people come through the door, I'm sizing them up. I'm like, whereabouts do you live <laughs> and can you lead? Um, so what we're doing, what we're finding is we might have great people who come through the door who can lead, but they, um, they may not have our values. It might be the first time they've ever been to a vineyard church or the first time they've ever been to a church that's like ours. So we're, we're putting in a foundations course um, that we're piloting this term, which is the six-week course that we want all of our newcomers to go through, um, which goes through the five-step um, prayer healing model, goes through um, the vineyard, all of our, all of, and our, and our specific like V61 core values of being on mission, valuing the presence above all else, etc. Um, yeah, so so that's sort of the things that we're putting in place and have put in place. But basically, we're just making it up as we go. I think that every six months, what has got us here is not going to get us there. So we're having to break everything down and and start it, you know, and and reimagine what this is going to look like. Um, I've got a few pros and cons down here that I just want to share with you. Um, which I may have already kind of shared with you. Oh uh, yeah, I just want to t um, touch on this uh, resistance, resistance to change. Um, so that has been something that we deal with every term. Um, that there are people who who don't, you know, um, they they feel like they're losing losing their friendship circles, or you know, there's something there in that, and. Um, and usually it's a similar kind of person, like, and I don't want to like brand people, but we affectionately call them the, con the consumer Christians. Um, they, they, there is a bit of resistance to change with them. But what, what's been amazing as, as we've invited them in and as the other small group leaders have invited them into the vision, we've seen a lot of change. And so I think that um, vision is everything. Like, people will get on board with something new if they understand and if they have buy into the vision. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. How brilliant was that, you know, not only to just every term uh, throw all the plans up and start again. Um, I thought that's, that's real good risk-taking. But also... Uh, I quite like Jason, the bit of uh, meeting one, two, and three, and then uh, uh, having a night off to be trained by uh, you or someone like that. It sounds, sounds brilliant. Uh, so, because that's really investing in the leaders, isn't it? You know, and it's giving that idea of rest. Okay, we, I'm going to talk about coaching. Uh, I feel a bit intimidated because we've got the great man himself called Tom. Uh, Tom. Camacho, I didn't forget his name. Um, it's just American, I guess that name. Mining for gold. Honest, uh, it's helped. It's revolutionised what we did. I just want to talk for you very quickly. I'm going to go off there. So this is from Jim Egley's model of of, uh, of how small groups grow. He did it over um, uh, ten thousand leaders. So it's a big survey. It's bigger than ours. But um, what he's saying is that the foundations are of uh, a small group growing is uh, prayer, right, coaching, and, and equipping, okay? And they will bring uh, the health factors, which is prayer, reach, care, and empower. And that brings 
people on in their faith. It assimilates them to what's going on in the church and, uh, 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 and with their new learning, and it leads to multiplication. So right at the bottom, you've got prayer, which he says is uh, intercede. And he says that's the most powerful factor, okay? So if you come away with nothing else, prayer is the most powerful factor for growing your group. Um, equipping, we're quite good at that. And coaching, this is a foundation. And he's already said that the churches are, 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 that actually um, are coached do per, uh, profoundly better than those, uh, sorry, uh, small groups that are coached, small group leaders, do significantly uh, better than those small groups that haven't had any coaching, okay? So, um, this is us. We, we got to a point where we got stuck. You know, we seem to be doing all the right things. We got to that 50% rule. I think we got to about 54, and we couldn't budge. We couldn't get any more people into it. So we had to think about doing something different. And so we thought, well, let's have a look. And, and these are some things that we offer. So our, our, our system is that we uh, have flattened our structure of small groups. Uh, so there's Jason and Bev who oversee it all, and then there are, are we've divided the small group community into groups of three, where we have a huddle leader uh, who looks after them. Now, these are some of the uh, things that our uh, coaching has done, but I'm just going to move on, because what we do is we train our huddle leaders. We call it a huddle re reorientation reorientation meeting and basically uh, the huddle leader is, is, is trained in the principles of actually um, coaching. Um, we may say uh, with the huddle leaders coaching but on the, it's, it's about having powerful conversations and we introduce them with a model that is called grow. Now anyone who knows anything about coaching will realize this is the basic tool. Okay, and we ask them, GROW stands for uh, what do you want to achieve? R, what's the reality? What's happening now? Uh, what are your options? Uh, what could you do? And what will you do? Okay, so um, we actually uh, have given our huddle leaders, okay, um, some questions that they can ask their, their group. So they are trained in it. And it says, uh, for example, you can see the scenarios. There's a member in my group who is consistently being disruptive and undermines me. Never. Uh, I, I've tried to multiply my group, but no one's interested in stepping up. You know, prayer, some t uh, t prayer times in my groups consist of only one or two people praying. Um, I can't get my group to reach out into the community, okay? So considering that we've based, so these are our scenarios. And I have, in, in the training of actually uh, training huddle leaders, who then train, um, taught, train their small group leaders, um, have seen massive things happen, absolutely uh, wonderful things. But it came alive when the gold hit it. Okay, so third thing, Tom, I can't do any better than this. Mining for gold by Tom. Um, Tom is, uh, you know, feel free to add anything, Tom, that, that you want. But what we did is we uh, had already started coaching and we're using the GROW model because it's so easy, you know, uh, to use. 
but we have now started to use Tom's principles. Um, and there's six principles, okay? Come on, Tom, you can get up and do this. Right, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> Jay, right, you've only got a minute or two. Give me about, you know. Um, come on, Tom, just go through those principles. You've got, you got a minute. Speaking to Mike. Having coached lots and lots and lots and lots of leaders uh, and in my own life, there are six main things that, you, that any leader who's thriving, these are just anchor principles. I don't have time to develop them, but, but God, he says continuously, is the one who's raising up a leader, so we don't have any pressure. It's on him. We just cooperate with him. Second thing is you can't thrive unless your identity's rooted as a son or a daughter. If you're doing that of any other motivation, it doesn't work. So we have to help people as coaches as, uh, to, to, to really grow as sons and daughters that are rooted as in, in love, which is what uh, John Mark has been teaching on. Um, and then the, the, really the essence of that book is that you have a design, and everybody in your church has a unique design. They have a unique fingerprint from God. And when you get them aligned with that, <laughs> literally life becomes this beautiful flow instead of you trying to be someone you're not. It, basically, that would be in a sweet spot. Is, is it more further developed than that as what you're, what you're uniquely wired to do? And then, especially when people are going through hard times, there's a chapter on the cross. That's where growth happens. When someone's going through the hard stuff, if we'll learn to lay back, ask questions, and draw the gold out, God's trying to teach some principles in, for them to die, to be resurrected, and the cross is really the key. And lastly is if they're not thriving and loving God and then loving others, you're not thriving. So how's that? Did I do it? Uh, and if you want to hear more, he's doing a, a seminar, a uh, last thing, so uh, do it. So actually, uh, simply, it's, we, so we've actually started rolling this out. Um, and it's about, you know, we're, we've blended grow and, and uh, uh, Tom's principles. And it's asking the Holy Spirit to have powerful conversations uh, uh, with our small group leaders and actually uh, with our leaders in a whole, okay? Actually, the, the last time we did it, you know, we did it as a church, didn't we? Um, uh, a, a whole group leaders uh, meeting. And, uh, you know, people are coming up and say, you know, I don't know what my sweet spot is, you know. Um, I don't know what my identity is. These are big questions. And actually, if you want to be a good small group leader, you've got to know what your sweet spot is, and you've got to know what your identity is. So uh, we're going to be looking at helping people to, to find their sweet spot. So um, what's been the impact? Okay, it's okay for me to say coaching is great, but uh, since, uh, since we started this, okay, uh, since 2017, there's been a 26% increase in the number of people who go to small group. Uh, in um, 2019, in December, it was 67% of our members were engaged um, in a, a small group. That's fantastic, you know, considering we got stuck at 50 feet uh, for a long time. Uh, support for our small group leaders is now more personalized through coaching. Leaders are more aware of their godly gifts. Leaders are more motiva motivated and have found a new momentum. Uh, leaders have a better understanding of how to develop their health factors of re uh, pray, reach, care, and empower, because we coach them on that. And uh, those involved in, in the coaching process are learning to be 
um, ever dependent on listening to the Holy Spirit um, and the conversations that they're having with their coach. So, Jason. Time is running off and we want to let you ask some questions. So, uh, we want to continue having conversations. So, this seminar follows up last year's and all the research that we did and we want to continue work collaboratively with you. There is a great slide here of pathways for how to develop small groups. I haven't got time to go through those but um, let's finish with this. Paul wrote, I planted, Apollos watered but God grows. We know that. Um, I put the slide up at the start. There is a very detailed report. Again, I think this is the power of this report. It's a kind of longitudinal study. What that means is we've taken a snapshot from different vineyard churches around the country about what they're actually doing and what's working where they are. May not work where you are, but it's, it's real stuff. So if you liked anything from today, get the full report. It's got all the stuff from the people that are presented, plus all the other churches, and a load more detail on that. Um, and then the, you'll have people that you can contact. Um, I'll, I'll come back to that slide, but the very last slide is if you want any more information, don't email me, don't email my wife, um, but do email Steve. Um, Steve is very shy in coming forward, um, but he really has done, I mean, I don't know how many hours, dozens and dozens of hours of interviews to collate this, and it's, and it's a sort of map and texture of what God's doing in our movement. Um, so if you've got a heart for small groups and growing them, and Steve does, we all do, but um, don't, be, don't be shy, contact Steve. Um, so that's, that's the report there. Um, okay? The password is Matthew 1820. As I said, it's fully GDPR compliant. Um, and you might have a particular interest in the report, but you want to keep getting updates on learning about small groups because we're trying to generate a con an ongoing conversation for all the vineyard churches in the UK to grow our small groups. And if you want to be part of that or know anyone that does, that's the way to where to go. So should we take some questions? Yeah? Questions? We've got some minutes. These seminar bits are so compressed, aren't they? Where, was, where were we? At the back. And the question to any other panel people or in general, and we'll figure it out. Oh, big impact. Big impact. I'll make a comment on this book. Here's a reason why this book is incredibly powerful. Um, do you remember the pray, care, reach thing? The power of that is this guy surveyed thousands of thousands of small groups that were growing and found out factors that lead to the growth of any small group, whether they are, whether the people leading it are old, young, whatever race they are, educated or uneducated. You know, universal principles that cause all groups to grow. Praying, unsurprisingly. <laughs> what a surprise. Praying, caring for one another, and reach, looking outside of itself. And you don't need to do lots of preparation to do any of those three things. So, again, that's a very powerful thing that in any denomination, any part of the world, if you are in a group that prays, if you're in a group that practices caring and reaching out, your group will grow. Period. Brilliant book. At the back, Mr. Watley. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Dr. Watley, sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
Yeah, rather than me, how about, Rob, you've got some, I know you've got experience, can you come and speak yeah, to that? Yeah, sure. um, we probably all could, but. I'll share a couple, a couple of things. I mean, we, we've done a bunch of those those kind of things. It's been really intentional about gathering together single-sex things. So there's a, been a few times in my life as I've been, uh, as myself and my wife have been bringing up younger kids of us each, um, taking a bunch of dads and a bunch of mums and kind of doing, doing something with those kind of um, communities and then multiplying that and seeing those grow in that way. And um, the other thing I think that's worked really well for us, um, and in fact, there's going to be another one, particularly for this this host group that's coming up. Um, it's just a family group and just creating materials that work for families together. But also sometimes it's helpful to kind of give the kids a little bit of uh, space and then, you know, you can kind of split up and sort of get get you know get the guys kind of praying for one another but do it with the kids as well because the kids are probably better than us most of the time at doing this um, but then also you know just giving space for women as well to do that i don't know if that helps at all yeah next question one up front here and then i know brian and then i saw a hand there and then we'll do a hand there we'll try and do those four they're not going to be it yes so i'm a big fan of tom's model mining for gold um, i've got a, a, an idea of the answers to the questions anyway because i've run small groups but the two questions are on, are on the flip side is how does everybody and this is a question for everybody how do you empower people um, in your small groups to get them to lead but also um, how do you help them to fail safely you know so you've empowered them you've encouraged them and everything but how do you make sure that you know they're not sort of left floundering and you you, you help them support them huge questions i'll take a quick run at it because of the time um how do you empower people? I'm actually one of those people that doesn't believe you can empower people at all. Um, people empower themselves. And we can do things to, I know what you mean, to, to get them feel that they have ownership. Coaching is the most empowering thing of all, period. Because they, it's person-centered. They come up with things that they want to do that they have ownership of. Um, I think probably 100% of the time I've been coached or seen people coached, their level of empowerment is, is maximal. Um, because they've owned it um, and you might resource other things around them as a mentor or a pastor and other stuff so that's the empowerment one and you asked about failing safely um, like we, everything we do in the vineyard we just celebrate failure we have to um, we're doing an invitation thing we mentioned Michael Harvey the culture of invitation um, our church's mission statement now is to invite people into their first and next encounter with God so that's about Christians and non-Christians and it's always about the invitation. And I've got someone in from church email me. I'm wondering what my next, next encounter with God is. Um, we get stuck. So invitation, invitation. So we want people saying, are you in a small group? Have you been prayed? Have you had a sozo? Come to a social. The invitation is what changes everything. Um, and one of the things we learned from Michael Harvey is that we celebrate when people say no. That's one of the ways. Uh, and there's something in that that's about the kingdom, but is also about, you know, we pray, we don't just pray for the sick and see some people healed and some people not healed. We invite people and some people say yes and some people say no, or some people say maybe. Um, so we want to celebrate stories. Um, you failed. Yay! <laughs> um, and as far as I know, that's a massive topic, but helping, celebrating people taking risks and things not going as they, as they expected them creates an environment for risk. Because then you go, 
oh, I can fail too. Um, I think that's one of the best things you can do. So there, Brian. Uh, tiny question from Bob. Could you just say a few more words about the T of host? I didn't get it. Okay. On one level, it's very simple, but we, we produce videos for uh, for our um, for our small groups to run with. So, so there are a bunch of um, online courses that you could probably run, like the prayer course. So long as people can switch it on, I just find it 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 depends on the age of the group that are running as to how easy they find that. So, um, but as long as you can find a YouTube app or you can find something like that, we make sure everything's available on YouTube. So it's. Uh, Yes, so we produce that. So yeah, apologies that was a clear. And I've seen Brian turn on the TV and get YouTube on. So you'll be all right, Brian. You'll be all right. There you go, with Chromecast. And then across here, this gentleman with the green shirt. That's a massive question, isn't it? Um, I can't. I haven't seen the hub material, and let me just because of time. Um, after 30 years in the vineyard, um, I think if our small groups don't reach out to anybody, they become insular and closed off because that's human nature since Adam and Eve. I like it like this: the people that I've got, and I don't want anyone new coming in. So whether the person new comes in is not a Christian or there's someone at church that you've just met, I don't think there's really much difference. And in fact, sometimes the people that aren't Christians are a lot more open than the Christians that come to a group. So the principle is the groups need to be open and they have to be open to other people wherever they're at in their first or next encounter with Jesus. Otherwise, and that's the research from Jim Egley and others, they just close in. And again, the Michael Harvey, get him if you look him up. You know, being open to other people and inviting other people, even if it's people in church to small group, is how... You, is how you learn to be open to other people to be invited into your life, including other people that aren't Christians. So, sorry, I'm really quick answer to that question. Last one at the back, and then we'll stop. Georgia. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for the sake of time, can I suggest you do two things? Talk to Georgia, because she knows lots about that. If you wanted to talk to me afterwards, there are a ton of resources about culture as an issue, how you have a culture of change. Risk-taking is part of that. Openness. There, there are lots of things, and there's lots of resources and materials that could be a whole seminar on helping people embrace change and thrive in it. All right. Thanks, guys. So that was, if you want to get the report... And uh, hope you speak to us. Have a wonderful day. Right.